cool. Well, Aaron, I'm incredibly excited to have you on the show, man. Thank you for coming in. And uh, for those of the people out there who don't really know you very much, uh, let's get into a little bit about your background and where you come from. So yeah. uh, let's start at the beginning. Right on. It's nice to be here. Thank you. Uh, yeah, of course. So I'm I'm from Daytona Beach, Florida. Uh, the journey's been pretty crazy. Uh, it's It's been a wild ride, but... I'm a Marine veteran, got into Hollywood doing some celebrity training, uh, got into some acting and stunts. I've got an online coaching program now and I'm segueing to guest speaking. But, you know, when this whole thing started, I, I, I call it the journey. Yeah. Uh, when it all started, I was around the sixth grade. Okay. My parents were going through a divorce, really affected me in a in a way that just made me kind of turn inward got yep. depressed, went to a school, got, got picked on, you know, the bully, the bully stuff was a thing. And I started fighting back and it led me down the wrong, the wrong path with the wrong people. By seventh grade, I had, I had overdosed on, uh, on drugs. Wow. I was in the hospital, almost died. So that was, you know, when I say this whole journey began is, is around that time. Cause I had a normal childhood up until fifth grade. Yeah. And then, uh, and then things, you know, dramatically changed and looking back on it, it's hard to believe that was me. Yeah. Um, my, my saving grace was, was the Marine Corps. Yeah. I call it my salvation in all the interviews I do. And when people ask me why, you know, if I have any advice when people join the military, my first question, I always ask them, why, why do you want to join? Yeah. Um, because the way I look at it, You've got to know what the military is really there for. Yeah. And I think the the mindset of what the military is is slowly changing in a way where people are trying to look at it as more as I'll just go here and get some great benefits and go to college and they're not thinking about the the brevity of the scope of the military where yeah. you're literally the uh the nation's defenders. Yeah. And the, I I think really being in the military, you should have a warrior mindset at the end of the day. Yeah. Because freedom ain't free. Yeah, definitely. Um, so joining the Marine Corps really brought me into some uh, into some new areas where I learned a lot about myself. Yeah. Leadership, discipline, perseverance, dedication, awesome. all that. And uh, it just went on and on, you know? Yeah. Well, first off, thanks for your service. I appreciate that. I have a ton of respect for our military. And let's let's back up a little bit. I'm sure we'll get into that a ton. Yeah. But in seventh grade, at, at this point, uh, I've got pretty extensive background with substance abuse myself too. Mm. Um, at seventh grade, for me, it was it was mostly just like smoking weed, drinking a little bit too much. And I just started getting into the stuff that can really take you out. But it sounds like for you, you kind of <laughs> accelerated a little bit quicker. Yeah, it was, so, it was bad. Yeah. So what kind of stuff were you into at that point? Uh, as crazy as it sounds, seventh grade, I was doing cocaine and speed and yeah. smoking weed and drinking. Wow. Yeah. And is this here in Vegas or did you grow up somewhere else? This was in Daytona Beach. In Daytona yeah, Beach. Yeah, I lived gotcha. I lived in Daytona Beach until I was uh, a senior in high school. Wow. Graduated, joined the Marine Corps after that. But after that seventh grade <clears throat> episode of of me really having a life-altering event, yeah. it's kind of a, a teetering 
experience after that because I went and stayed with my my grandpa in Missouri mm-hmm. in the Ozarks for the whole summer. Literally, I think the closest thing to where he lived was a gas station, maybe 30 minutes away. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, came back from that, still got in trouble. My first ninth grade year, I uh, I ended up going to live with my real father. Yeah. Who I really did not know at all. And getting there to to be with him, I could tell right off the bat, his, his wife really didn't care for me too much. And I just literally fell right into the same type of trouble that I was in back in Florida. And to fast track that, it just wasn't the right fit. Yeah. So they, uh, they took me to Panama city, Florida and put me in this uh, rehab kind of psychiatric type place called Rivendell. Yeah. I was there for a while. Uh, the possibility of me going to foster care was, was pretty close. And yeah. my, my mom came back and got me, Brought me back to Daytona, put me in a private school, and uh, just kind of made my way. Didn't still didn't make the best choices, but I was doing better. Yeah. And around my junior year, I had realized that I just pissed away so many opportunities that the Marine Corps was kind of the military was was where I was going, but the the Marine Corps really would, in my mind, be what I I needed to be. That's what you were looking as. Um that's that's what you felt like you were going to need at that point. If yeah. you flash back to, I mean, when you're 16, 17, especially if you're making all kinds of bad choices out like that, you don't really know what the solution is going to be. But yeah. it sounds like that's what you were going to be looking to as your something to get you on track. Yeah, so. yeah. This this one this one guy I knew in high school, he had graduated, went in the Marine Corps, and I I remember knowing who he was and seeing him come back yeah. after boot camp, and I was like, wow. That's not the same dude. Yeah. So you saw the transformation for him. Yeah. And you felt like it was going to be the same thing for you. Yeah. Okay. And, and, and it sure was because I remember going through boot camp and coming back home thinking to myself, I don't fit in here anymore. Yeah. I don't fit in with anybody I used to hang out with. Wow. Yeah. Well, what was that What was that transformation like? So, you know, when you come from being some somewhere around 18 years old, and the life you knew, if it's anything like me, the life you knew at that point was basically just just kind of like running. Uh, at that point, I was just kind of running and making bad choices. Our story is pretty similar up until then, at least. As for me, I got in trouble at around seventh grade is when I started getting into trouble. All of high school for me was kind of like move around to this this high school and that high school and everywhere I would go, there I am. I'd keep getting into trouble. <laughs> Um, but eventually I kind of got myself on the right track. But for you, that was at boot camp was where that started. Right? Yeah. So what was that transformation like? How did you kind of start to make better choices? Uh, when I got to Paris Island and, you know, you see the movies with the, the buses pull up and the drill instructors run on the bus and it's a real thing. Yeah. You get off on the yellow footprints and you realize really quick you're in a different world. Yeah. And that was when I knew I was embarking on something that I had no idea what to expect, but in my mind I was open to it. And I think that is a a really big thing when you join the military is going into it for the right reasons and then being open to change. Um, so I was open to the change and... It, it, it just taught me that I was stronger than what I thought. I knew more than I thought. 
um, I was more resilient than I thought. And, you know, got put into some leadership positions, you know, whether throughout different parts of boot camp, you know, you, you go through and you, you phase up and yeah. Um, so pretty much most of my boot camp uh, time, I was in some type of leadership position, so to speak. And then you just start to develop this confidence yeah. in yourself and in knowing that you can really do anything you set your mind to do. Yeah. And, and that's carried over today because when I got to my first duty station in the Marine Corps, very quickly, as a young Marine, as a boot Marine, they would call it, uh, I was put in charge of uh, my own fire team, which had corporals, NCOs, non-commissioner officers in charge who weren't too happy to have me as their, you know, their their team leader because these guys have been in the Marine Corps for, you know, two, three years. Here right. I am just within a few months in charge. Um, so you got to learn to have thick skin because people are going to challenge you and test you and you really have to stand strong and, you know, show that confidence as a, as a leader. Yeah. And so, yeah, that's where it all began. Wow. And that happened pretty fast for you because right up before that, so this would have been what you were 18 when you went to boot camp first. Mm, yeah. So right up before that, you were coming from a life of not the best choices. Right. And then as, as soon as you got there, you, you learned how to be confident real quick. You were put in leadership positions yeah. really quick. And then how soon after boot camp did you start actually uh, working in military? Uh, so you finished boot camp, okay. went to the School of Infantry for more advanced training. Yeah. Got sent to my first duty station. So, I mean, it was all just consecutively one to the other to the other. Wow. Uh, so by, you know, uh, summer I was in boot camp. By winter i was at my first duty station camp lejeune north carolina yep. uh, first battalion second marines and i literally feel like i've not slowed down since wow there's been so many iterations and chapters of everything in my life and it all stems back to what i learned in the military about myself and yeah communication and leadership and uh so yeah that's awesome life-changing stuff that's awesome so how long were you actually active duty at military? Uh, just over seven years. Seven years. Yeah. Okay. And I mean, what's some of the most unique experiences that you had while you were active duty? My, my Marine Corps service was a little different than a lot of other Marines. When I was uh, deployed to Okinawa, I had, a, uh, I had a platoon sergeant who really wanted to help me explore this unit called the world famous body bears. I say world famous because it's kind of our motto, but it's the Marine Corps body bears based out of DC. Okay. And it's a, it's a, it, it, it's such a small, unique detail. It's a, you know, 15 to 20 man detail for the entire Marine Corps. Wow. So the chances of you getting an opportunity to do something like this are very slim. And at the time I was, maybe 180 pounds, 185 pounds. Wow. The body bearers are 240, 250, 260. Wow. Had no idea what I was getting myself into, but, uh, you know, the idea of doing it, I, you know, I, I was falling in love with bodybuilding and training. And uh, so my, my platoon sergeant was helping me, or, or we were trying to reach out to the body bearers just to find out the screening process. And uh, long story short, 
I got cut orders when I got back from uh, from my deployment, and I was on my way to the body bear section, and uh, I got picked on quite a bit. I had toothpicks thrown at me for how skinny my legs were, and, uh, but it's it's a it's a really prestigious duty. You know, you are a you are a body bearer laying to rest. Uh, World War II veterans. Vietnam veterans, dependents, uh, you're traveling around the world doing congressional type stuff. Wow. Uh, and you're in the commandant's backyard, the commandant of the Marine Corps. So wow. it's a very high level uh, duty and position. So from there, I went to the Pentagon. I got, wow. I had to go through some specialized training to uh, do personal security for General Pace. Wow. Uh, he was the vice chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff under George Bush. So that was a whole nother level too. I mean, here I was this broken, you know, shitty kid. Yeah. And here I am now, you know, at the Pentagon with a top secret clearance traveling yeah. around the White House every week. Shit happens pretty quick, huh? Pretty quick. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, you know, that was, uh, it was a very interesting time in, in the Marine Corps for me because I never could have imagined I would have reached that level of, of success as a Marine and just as a man. Wow. Yeah. And so, just so I understand, so you were saying that basically the body bears, you were doing um, funerals and things similar to that for high-ranking military of any kind. Is that right? Or? Yeah. So when you have enlisted Marines, there, there, there's just different levels of service for, yep. for each individual person based on rank, um, you know, officer enlisted or killed in action, things like that. So you rate full honors funerals. Uh, so if you ever watch on TV, if a president dies or a congressman dies, you'll see the funeral detail. It's a joint, it's a joint service detail. Yeah. And there's always two, uh, two from each service okay. representing that service. Gotcha. And for the Marine Corps, that's where they pull from is our section. Gotcha. Um, I've done funerals over in, uh, or done work over in New Zealand. For instance, we had a New Zealand Special Air Services officer who got killed in a training accident here in the States. We flew him back over to New Zealand, had this big transfer on the tarmac with the New Zealand military and crazy stuff. Yeah. Very, but at the end of the day, I, I, I like to say that the reason why this is probably my most humble duty is when you think about it from a, from a funeral perspective, that family, you're the last image a family is going to have of that loved one yeah. being laid to rest. So we never took that lightly. And we always trained as hard and heavy as possible for perfection because we really wanted to pay uh, as much respect as we could to them. Definitely. Wow. So that's quite an experience for you to go through. That's because that's a pretty exclusive specific section of military life that not a lot of people get to do, right? Yeah, okay. yeah. Very specific screening. You had to meet a lot of criteria. Yeah. Wow. And so after you did that, what was next for you in the military? Uh, the, so from the body, body bearers to the Pentagon yeah. uh, with General Pace. And then I had felt like I had reached the culmination of what I was doing in the military because I, I, be, I started to become more uh, I started to think more business minded, like yeah. where, what's the future hold? Uh, I was married at the time, I had a daughter and, um, 
I ended up having an opportunity to go over to Iraq doing some uh, some specific contract work for for a brand new type of technology, identity management, biometrics type stuff. Yeah. So I took uh, I took that opportunity and, and went overseas and was there for. I ended up being there for a lot longer than I had planned. So four years. Wow. All, literally four years straight with a couple weeks off here and there every year. Wow. And there's a lot, that's, that's an environment right there. That's, it's pretty hellacious. And you're anytime someone stays in that environment for that long, you're going to experience things that will be seared into your mind forever. Uh, I lost a lot of people I was close with military and civilian. Yeah. Um, so my seventh grade leading all the way up to this, yeah, I, I ended up having a lot of perspective on life. You travel the world, you see different cultures, you realize how great this country is. And, uh, little did I know what would happen next, but the next chapter was a very hard experience going from, from the top. Yeah. Hitting that, hitting that rock bottom. Yeah. Cause you, you came from a spot, you know, back in seventh grade where, probably your confidence was pretty much in the toilet. It, it, for me, using that much drugs, it doesn't really matter what you're using, but you get to a point where you're basically just numbing pain and self-deprecating constantly. And then your experience in the military, you grew incredibly quick. And so I'm sure that was a huge confidence booster for you where you, you learned a lot about yourself, you developed some more discipline, you and you got these different promotions into all these different units very, very quickly. So I'm sure that built up your confidence very high. So at this point, you're thinking, all right, you know, my future looks bright. I've got, I've got a lot. I know a lot about myself. And you were thinking you would come back and get into business or what did that next part look like for you? Well, when I, when I had took this position, I was thinking the technology aspect of it, excuse me, the technology aspect of biometrics, because it was something that I was learning about it being a growing technology. Mm-hmm. And I felt like it was something that I could transition to post-military. Yeah. But when I got to the end of where I was over there on, on the work I was doing, I really felt like I needed to I need to take time away from that because my head was a little in the wrong place. Okay. So <clears throat> there was an opportunity presented to me in New Orleans to do some more contract work with the Marine Corps under Marine Forces North. Uh, it's the Marine Corps component command for the uh, for U.S. Northcom. Okay. And uh, things just did not pan out like I had anticipated with the transition. So when I came when I came back. Uh, there was a little bit of lull before I was able to actually start doing some of that work and the the funding was cut and it just, there was a lot of things that happened during this time that left me in a place where I didn't know how to keep going forward. My mind was broken. I was trying to figure out employment so I could survive. I was burning through all the money I had saved. I was trying to support my family. Uh, I had gotten divorced by now. Like it was just a really bad situation. And I met a lot of bad people in this beginning phase of trying to transition. And uh, it left my life in a place where I just lost everything. I had a file for bankruptcy. I was living out of my car. And rather than going back overseas, 
which is really what I wanted to do because there, as much as I, I didn't like it, there was some some type of normalcy and comfort to it yeah, rather than structure. trying to, yeah, rather than trying to deal with civilian life because there's no structure. You're literally on your own and everyone is selfish. Yeah. No one's word means a damn thing. And that's probably the hardest thing I had to learn right off the bat was me as a Marine, if I shake your hand and say, I'm going to do something, it's ironclad. Yeah. That's not the same in the civilian world. Yeah. And that was, that was the hard lesson that I learned, which really put me in a place where I, 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 I did lose everything. And yeah. So instead of going back overseas, I decided to get a uh, get a certification as a personal trainer. And as much as I didn't want to do it, I did it because I love fitness. I'm good at it, and I thought I could I thought I could make something out of it. So that was the beginning of my whole fitness aspect of this. Wow! So you had had a really rough transition there back into so civilian rough. life. So rough. Yeah. So. Why do you think, and you hear about that all the time, you hear about a lot of people having a really tough transition back into civilian life. Why do you think that happens with so many veterans? Uh, serving in the military uh, is something where there's, there's camaraderie, there's, there's sense of purpose, uh, there's structure, things just make sense. What you're doing every day, you know what you're doing when you come back, there's none of it. Yeah. And if you don't have your own plan in place and your own support system in place and things like different systems in place to help you adapt to civilian life, then it's hard because in in the Marine, it, it's hard to put this into, into perspective, but in, in the military, when you're, when you're traveling the world and you're seeing these different cultures and things like that, you, you really, you really get it, get, get a sense of love for, for this country. And yeah. when you come back and you see the entitlement and the selfishness and the, the simple things that people here take for granted and bastardize, it's, it's hard to just be okay with it. I'm not yeah. sure if that's the right word, but it, 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 it affects us. Yeah. And without finding a, a new sense of purpose, you know, a lot of guys turn, turn to the drugs, turn to the, turn yeah. to the alcohol and, and then their life just goes down to, to shit where I'm fortunate that I never really got into that because I had fitness. Yeah. And that's where I talk about along the way from back in 98 until now, fitness was really my my anchor. And I say that because I without fitness, I don't think I would be here having this conversation with you. Yeah. Well, I think fitness also, it can help you plug back into a lot of those same things that you enjoyed about the military, the structured regime yeah, yeah. you get back into because i mean my my trainer always tells me when i'll ask him like hey can i eat this or can i do this he's like you can do whatever the fuck you want <laughs> but you can't bend the laws of fitness yeah. so you're either gonna be yeah. following what you have to follow or you're not um so yeah. i tell my clients that i'm like look there there are different levels to this fitness game yeah I'll, I'll, I'm here to support whatever level you want to take it with. But that, at the end of the day, you can't out-train a bad diet, as the cliche saying goes. Yep. Food is becoming more and more poisonous Yeah. as as time progresses and for technology sure. builds. and For sure. Yeah. So, okay, so you got back and you had a rough patch there where for a period you were living out of your car. And uh, pretty soon you got into fitness and you started realizing that could be a healthy outlet for you. So... 
what was that transition like once you once you realized all right fitness is something healthy to put my energy towards what did that look like for you that's when i say destiny revealed itself yeah cuz it, it wasn't very very uh very many months before uh, i had met Zach Efron wow. who came into the gym that i was training out of yeah uh doing a movie about a marine iraq veteran uh, called the lucky one it's kind of a Nicholas Sparks yeah. military love story. Yeah. Uh, so Zach had come into the gym with his trainer, Logan Hood. He trained the, the cast for 300. Mm-hmm. And he was a Navy SEAL. So him and I talked and, you know, Zach and I talked and they ended up bringing me to set to meet the, meet the producer and director. And it, I, I, I came into the movie to help Zach just learn how to be a Marine. Yeah. Talk like a Marine, walk like a Marine how a Marine would respond to things. And that was the end. That was the beginning of it all for me. Wow. Uh, and uh, from that movie until just prior to Baywatch, him and I had worked together. So wow. it was a pretty long stint. So that was a pretty, pretty darn quick connection for you. I see why you call it destiny yeah. because a lot of people in fitness or in sales or whatever, they'll be sitting there forever thinking, well, I just got to make that right connection pretty quick. And for you, it was yeah. a couple of months and you're working with Zach Efron. So. Yeah, yeah, and that's you know coming coming back from overseas and really lose like just completely losing everything I I knew about myself, not knowing where to go, and yeah. to all of a sudden being thrust into this new environment gave me a little bit of I guess I want to say purpose again. Yeah, because I'm like I'm going to get my life back. I'm going to turn this into something. What I didn't know at the time was there were more movies and TV shows being shot in Louisiana than anywhere else in the world. Wow. And uh, so I thought I could really turn this into something. I met some guys on that production who would give me the the updated production reports when they would come in, and it would allow me to know where the new productions coming in were. So I call it guerrilla warfare. I made flyers. I was going around all the production offices every week. I was meeting everybody. I was going giving some free sessions so people could see what I was all about and how I how I worked and how I trained. And I just saturated every part of that city in New Orleans to where I just became like the guy on top of everyone's head. And within a few months later, I was, uh, you know, training The Rock and Stallone. Zach was back in town for another movie. Uh, Yeah, a lot of stuff was happening. Wow. So you, uh, this is what, three to six months into your personal training career, and you'd started working first with Zach Efron. You'd also trained The Rock. Uh, what are some of the other notable people that you've worked with in the personal training business? Um, Josh Brolin, Jamie Foxx, uh, Amelia Clark, wow. J.K. Simmons. J.K. Simmons is probably was one of my best friends today, but he is the transformation that we had go viral back in 2016 is still talked about to this day. Wow. Uh, it was pretty amazing what we did and the response that everyone had to, and it really... Uh, it really opened up a lot of new doors. But after, you know, training with The Rock and and that whole initial time right there, I had got a lot of notoriety. So some producers and directors were coming in and that's where some things started to happen in terms of shifting away from just doing training and getting more in front of the camera, doing stunts and acting. Nice. And so you can imagine for somebody like me, I'm not super in shape. I'm working on it, trust me. But like... (laughs) So when I think about you training somebody like uh, Zach Efron or a lot of the other people that you named, 
I can wrap my head around that because I think, all right, well, they, they needed to get into better shape. Mm. But for some reason, when you talk about training the rock, I'm like thinking like, what the, what the fuck do you work on with the rock? So like, was he already in great shape when you started working together or what, yeah. what was it like working with the rock? What was, um, I guess, why was he looking for training? Uh, so yeah, he was, uh, he's, he was in shape Yeah, and, uh, that that was the when I was training with him, he was actually in the process of uh, his comeback to WWE. Okay, so there were a lot of stuff. There were a lot of things happening at the time with him, mm-hmm. but it was really the the first time I met him. He didn't know who I was, so I had met I had met all the other cast first. Yeah, and was brought on as the cast trainer, but he <laughs> he didn't know that. Yeah. And he just happened to be training at the, the the other gym that I trained at. So I trained my clients at an at a uptown New Orleans gym. But the way I'm, I'm a meathead at heart, right? So I like the dirty stuff, the dungeons. Yeah. And that's what Dwayne, that's what Rock likes too. So um, he was in the gym one day when I had just finished training and I was walking out and he was on the elliptical. And I remember, <laughs> I, I remember, you know, just saying hey to him and, telling him if, if he was ever up for training to, you know, to let me know. Yeah. And I think he just thought I was some, you know, random, random person. Yeah. yeah. So I kind of, I got the dirty look, the fuck you. you know? Yeah. <laughs> and then later that night, I ended up getting a text message from him. Yeah. And he was apologizing, was, you know, said, hey, let's, let's hit it. Yeah. And so what we would do is basically every, every evening before you know, shoot a text message, just kind of get a layout of what the training would be for the the following day. And mm-hmm. that way, when we went in, kind of had some structure to what we we're doing. And he he's, he's like me in terms of we're just in the gym. It's, there's an outlet to it. There's a sanity, sanity therapy aspect to it. So we didn't really talk a whole lot. Yeah. You know, it was just like he would, you know, a lot of supersetting, a lot of, a lot of volume work, 5 a.m. every morning. Um, a lot of head nods, fingers. When we get deep into some heavy training, we we're you know spotting because I was working out with him. It wasn't just me training yeah. him. We were literally working out together, which was a really cool experience because yeah. just pushing each other like we did. We're cut from the same cloth. Yeah, and uh, he just he gets after it. Yeah. That's really it. I mean, and and that was before he was anywhere near as busy as he is now. But even then, it was like always doing business. There was, you know, it was very, very specific, very intentional. So training someone like The Rock is more along the lines of helping him have the right structure in place so that he's not having to figure out what to do. Because I mean, yeah, yeah, obviously he knows what to do. He's been training forever. Right. You're not his first workout for yeah. sure. So yeah. it's more just, it's more just, I guess, him being able to work out with somebody who he feels is is on his level that he can have as like a running partner. Right? Yeah, yeah. And, yeah. and and also when you're running on his schedule, the 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 level of of stress and the amount of sleep you're getting, it it, it helps having someone in there to really kind of help push through some of the sure. intensity and really get into those bigger sets and push yourself past if you're just going in there by yourself to to train. But I was able to 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 share some different knowledge with him in terms of the way I trained that helped him with some issues that he was having, you know, shoulder issues and things like that. And yeah. So, you know, 
it was just a really cool thing. And, and uh, I'm, I'm, a, I'm appreciative of the experience with him. And I think he's just one of the solid guys in the industry. That's awesome. And so you worked with a number of different clients at that point. And I think you had a, uh, from what I know, you have a pretty unique approach where you come up with almost like a 90 day mm. uh, strategy where you're trying to get maximum results in those 90 days. Yeah. And I mean, that makes a lot of sense. Is that something that you developed since you were working with people who were prepping for a specific role or something like that? So they were on a time crunch or? Most of my, most of my training in the film industry was geared specifically around transforming. Yeah. And I was the guy that you would come to when you needed a quick transformation. Gotcha. So being a bodybuilder for so long and just having experimented for so long with different training styles, different nutrition protocols, different supplementation, uh, it became something where I just kind of organically knew how fast I could transform someone. Yeah. And I wanted to take all of that knowledge and turn it into something from a, a programmatic perspective that I could work with non-celebrities because I would get contacted a lot by people wondering, you know, do I have any programs? You know, how do I train with you yeah. and things like that? So uh, late in the game, I started it, but uh, nevertheless, I started it. Yeah. And a lot of what I do, any, any, any trainer can come out and say, here's your fitness plan. Here's your nutrition plan. Follow it. Yeah. I'm very hands-on with my clients because there's a lot of accountability that has to happen to yeah. help people break those old habits. Cause those, those old nasty habits are why you came to me. Yeah, exactly. Um, so at the, at the foundation of my programming and what I do, it's really about the mindset and mind state, the gotcha. shift and, and, and establishing new lifestyle habits and understanding what food is doing to you inside. Yeah. And then when you can, when you can educate them, on why not to eat this and what to eat instead. And then they feel the effects of it and then they get their blood work done and they can see it. It's a game changer and you start to value your health more. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's something I can see would be incredibly attractive to all kinds of people. I mean, to do a 90 day transformation, that's what you see everybody wanting is yeah. how do I, how do I transform in a quick amount of time and look the way I want to look and feel the way I want to feel. So I mean, from your expert opinion, what are most people out there doing wrong? The people who are trying to transform quick and it's just not happening. Uh, there's there's this weird misconception that you need to just restrict your calories so much. Mm -hmm. And you need to eat egg whites and broccoli and tilapia and just these foods that don't provide your body with much nutrition. Yeah. And then on top of that, they're just doing mindless cardio. Yeah. So... That's a huge problem because everything you're probably trying to do is going to not happen by yeah. doing that. So what I what I uh, what I do in in my programming is really prescribing more food than they're used to eating because when you're severely under eating, your body's going to adapt to that and probably start paring down muscle more than anything, which is the last thing you want. Yeah, and it's just kind of your your body's kind of adapting to this starvation diet. And it's going to retain body fat and your stress levels, your cortisol levels are out. It's just a bad, it's not an optimal place for your body to be in. So when you can have the right training plan in place, eating the right foods, giving your body the proper recovery, 
the magic starts to happen and and it's really it's really simple like i don't have my clients doing stupid cardio i don't have them in the gym for hours and hours i don't have them i have them eating everything they like within certain parameters of what's considered healthy and and not healthy yeah but it's just changing them in a way that they're like wow that's it yeah uh, and you can see the light bulb go off and they talk about how how lo- how much they love the food but if i'm if i'm giving you a nutrition program where you're you're like oh i, I don't know how i'm going to do this for 2 months or 3 months yeah when those 3 months are over what did you learn nothing yeah and then you go back to not still not knowing what to do except eating all this garbage food so right. they're not set up for success and that's the at the end of the program for me is how do i how do i get these people to a point where their life can forever be changed because I call my program the blueprint for life. When you're done with it, I want you to be able to just know how to live health, like a healthy, sustainable, yeah, beautiful life. So a big part of it is you know, people are going out and essentially just trying to eat less calories, less food, yeah. rather than educating themselves and learning about the right food that they should be eating for their diet. Yeah, and, and that it's almost impossible to learn that unless you really know someone who you trust with your health because there's so much misinformation out there online. If you read something right now, five minutes later, you can read something else that'll completely contradict what you just read. Yeah. So you don't know which direction to go in. Yeah. Uh, and and it, it leads people to just feel lost. Yeah. And... Unfortunately, in, in this training space now, uh, post-COVID, so many people have transitioned to online coaching. And it's unfortunate because it's giving the online coaching space a bad name um, because bad coaches can make your health health even worse. worse. Yeah. And I deal with a lot of that. So I get a lot of people coming to me who are literally trying to get their health back, rather, rather it's from just being unhealthy from eating garbage or whether it's working with other trainers who have just made them do the wrong things for their body. Yeah. Makes sense. Yeah. Well, for you, I know you had a lot of success in training a lot of those clients like the rock and Zach and and so many different people. And you mentioned that that kind of started to develop some other opportunities for you in Hollywood. Uh, You said first was doing stunts, right? Mm, Nice. So what was the first movie that or show or production that you Start doing stunts in. Uh, I didn't even think back on it. <laughs> <laughs> um, or maybe just the most notable that you, yeah, that you started in. I, yeah, I mean, uh, there's there's so many of them. I'm, try, I'm trying to think of the most notable one. Probably, I'd say the probably the the first real type of of stunt work I did was Dawn of the Planet of the Apes. Oh wow! Um, I had a small role in. Uh, G.I. Joe Retaliation with with The Rock. It was actually a, a funeral scene yeah. that would look like it's at Arlington National Cemetery, which is where I worked as a body bearer. Wow. Um, but yeah, stunts stunts is something where it's a tight-knit community. There's some camaraderie there. Yeah. Everyone wants to be a stunt player. Sure. But it's, a, it's hard to get into because it's, in a sense, I don't want to compare it to the military, but when you're doing stunts, they're dangerous. Yeah. And and today in today's filming, they can be deadly. Yeah. Um, granted, they were they could be deadly back then, but we have so much, so much, so many more resources now for safety and and things like that. But uh, you hear about stunt players dying 
quite a bit, unfortunately, sure. just due to, you know, certain mishaps. But sure. um, you have to trust the people you're working with. Yeah. And and just because someone wants to come in and do stunts, if you're not savvy at it or if you're not good at a certain discipline, you know, parkour, wushu, boxing, you know, swimming, evasive driving, like who knows? You know, there's so many different things that, you, that you're needed to do as a stunt player. So, yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. So is that something you're still doing here and there or? It's, it's, it's really a weird dynamic right now. Cause <clears throat> 2020, I had a, a great list of projects lined up yeah. and not expecting COVID to happen. COVID happened and literally wiped it all out. Wow. I find that the industry today is very different than it was pre COVID. And, uh, for me, I want to, I want to work on good projects with good people and, you know, hope I can provide value and hope people want to work with me, but it's changed into such a political shit show. Yeah. It's really hard to, to figure out where I'm, where I even belong in that space anymore. Cause it, it, everything's, it just seems like there's so much politics that are driving the nature of casting and so many different things. So it's why I actually shifted into doing my online fitness programming, but I have a lot of great relationships with people in the, in the industry. And I've maintained those relationships and keep in touch. And I still want to be involved in, in different projects, but uh, I just, I want to do it strategically and smartly and not fall into the either side of the political spectrum. You know what I mean? I'm, I'm just trying to enjoy my life for a minute. Yeah. I got you. So you you did a few different roles in that. What are some of the most notable roles that you had in in film or in TV so far? Um, I was one of the the primary orcs in Bright. Wow. Um, American House or American Heist. I play a guy named House. Yeah. Uh, it's Hayden Christensen, Adrian Brody. Um, had some screen time on the Purge TV show. It's funny, you know. You're asking me these questions. I'm like, really? I got to think about what it is. And, and, the, and the crazy thing is I've never seen anything I've been in. Really? Yeah. So you haven't seen Bright? Well, I've, I've, I've seen Bright, but it's not like yeah. my face on TV with a bunch of speaking dialogue and things gotcha, like that. Gotcha. So Yeah. I really liked it. Because yeah. when we're prepping for the show and everything, and I, I saw that one, I thought that was an incredible movie. And I saw on your Instagram, you like prepping with the, the yeah. makeup and everything like that. I was like, damn, that's him. That was extensive. Yeah. That was an extensive prosthetic work. That was the first time I ever did any prosthetic work like that. And at the very beginning, that first week on set, there were, it was some long days in the chair because okay. we were trying to figure out the, the coloring and the makeup and how things were fitting. And, but we finally got the, the application down to three and a half hours to get it on. Wow. About forty-five minutes ish to get it off. Yeah. So well, you, you figure, got, yeah, you got to take it off. You can't go yeah. out and live your life like that. Yeah. You figure all that. That's the amount of time just just to be ready and 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 finish, and then you have the entire the whole shooting and everything shooting schedule. Yeah. yeah. So so there's some long some really long days, and that's what again going back to the acting piece and the training piece when when you're working with an actor who is running on that type of schedule every day. Yeah. It goes back to why there's, there, you know, with the guys who are like really in shape, the additional need to have someone to to work with. Because, sure. I mean, when you come into the gym sometimes and you're just dragging ass and you know you've got to 
inflict pain on yourself. Yeah. It's hard. It's hard. It's, it's very, very hard. Difficult. I mean, I felt, and I'm sure all kinds of people out there feel like, gosh, how could I still stay in shape and eat right and go to the gym with my current job? And, you know, if you're doing that on top of the crazy long days that you're working in the film industry, I could definitely see how that'd be really, yeah. really challenging for yeah. sure. Okay. And so for you, now that, you know, you've, you've gotten all of these different connections that you've made, <clears throat> what's next for you in the business world? What are you, what are you focused on building now? Uh, right now, I'm extremely focused on building my fitness business. Yeah. Uh, I want to... I want to create a team yeah. who can help me grow this because changing people's lives is something that to me is very, I mean, it's very priceless and very purposeful. Yeah. Um, and it, to me, the trust is everything. So bring people into my world and opening everything up to them, there's a huge trust factor that goes with it. So that's what I'm focused on right now. At the same time, I'm just now getting back into some public speaking. I have my first event in Louisiana next month. And ironically, the the public speaking part is something that is, uh, I was doing it a little bit back in New Orleans, 2013 and 14, speaking at some detention facilities and youth groups and things like that. And was trying to grow it at the time and then ended up moving to LA in 2015 and just lost all momentum with it. Um, I was dealing with post-traumatic stress for a long time. Yeah. And it, it's something that I, I kept very personal and very hidden. I, I was trying to navigate through this next chapter of my life, but I went from one extreme of combat environment to another extreme of losing everything I had and being homeless to another extreme of all of a sudden now I'm in the, the spotlight in Hollywood as a, as a trainer, actor, stunts, whatever. I never really had proper time to, to heal my mind, to have a healthy transition, to just be at peace and learn how to enjoy life. It yep. was always survival mode. So I tried some different modalities for post-traumatic stress over the years that didn't really work. And last year, last fall, I got some treatment uh, under the stellate ganglion block. And I tell you, it was literally life-changing because it's like it unlocked my mind. Hmm. And when I say it unlocked my mind, living in a, a, a state of, you know, post-traumatic stress is something that you, you feel like you're a prisoner in your head sometimes. And it's really hard to understand what that means unless you're, you're living it. But yeah. people out there who know what I mean, know what I mean. Yeah. And when you have post-traumatic stress, your body is stuck in a sympathetic state, which is not where you want to be. Yeah. cortisol, adrenaline, all that stuff. You want to be in parasympathetic, and that's what stellar ganglion block does. It brings you back into a, a proper state of mind and physiologically uh, have, have a baseline. Wow. So when I had that done, it unlocked my mind. I talk about the fact that it just really allowed me to put everything that I've been through and, and analyze it and think about it and put it into perspective. And it's why I want to get out there now and just talk to people about hope and possibility and perseverance and believing in yourself and strength. But at, at the end of it all, the most important part of it is, is really mindset and mind state. You know, it's, it's understanding in your mind what you're trying to do and then having the, 
the fortitude to do it because we're so distracted right now by technology and there's so many things during the course of a day that can waste your time. Yeah. And it gives people the excuse that they don't have time to do the important things. But when you really, if you, if you were to do a, an autopsy of your day, I guarantee you're going to find a lot of wasted time in there that you could spend towards productive definitely uh, tasks. Definitely. So at the end of it all too, I'm obviously going to talk about health and fitness because no matter what your race is, what your gender is, what your employment is, fitness and health transcends everything. Yeah. So I have a lot to say to a lot of people about a lot of things. And I feel like I can provide some, some help out yeah. there in doing all that. I'm having trouble just like picking a topic with you because it's like, do we sit here and talk military? Do we talk like, do we talk fitness? So it's yeah. like, yeah, you, you've clearly got a lot to offer. Uh, but I guess the overwhelming theme and everything is really how to transform yourself. Mm -hmm. I would say, you know, whether we're talking about your time in the military or time in Hollywood, your experience in fitness and training people. I mean, it, that I think is the most impressive thing about you is how you've transcended all these barriers and transformed yourself into where you are today. So that's really impressive, man. Um, it's, it's surreal to think back on it because I've had to reinvent myself a few times now. Yeah. And uh, I've gone too far and, and gone too long to really throw my hands up and, and go backwards at any point. Yeah. My, the main thought that I've had over the past several years is I really want to change the course of my family's history. Yeah. And it, it, it sounds, it sounds weird. It sounds like, how are you going to do that? Well, that's what I'm figuring out how. Yeah. Um, and, and I'm just trying to be the best version of myself that I can be. Cause I, there's a lot of things that I still have work on to do on myself, but <clears throat> I just try and learn as much as I can every day about everything. Yeah. I got you. Well, I mean, you've brought tons of value in different spots uh, to everybody who's listening today. But out of everything you experienced, I'm sure there's tons of people who can relate to one of these different kind of stuck points that you were at, whether it was when you were in seventh grade trying to figure out how to get off drugs and how to get your shit on track, or from the point where you were homeless, trying to get your business off track. So what advice would you have to anybody out there who's feels like they're at one of these points where they're stuck and they just don't know how to move forward and how to get their life on track? I think there's a, there's a, a real sense of uh, self reflection that needs to happen. Some journaling to figure out some things. What are you trying to do? Where are you trying to go? Like, why, why are you where you're at now? Um, because the mindset aspect of it is really going to be the main factor in, in making the change. But, um, there's, there, I, I'm trying not to get too deep into this stuff, but it's, uh, I'm fumbling, dude. You're good, dude. You can, go, you can go as deep as you yeah, want. Uh, I mean, I think that transformations like that, um, you've gone through that so many different times. So anytime you start to think and start to really give the truth, 
I'm sure you get right deep into where you were at at every single one of those transformations because we could probably talk for three hours just about yeah how to how to really do that. But yeah, it's it, people really just have to figure out what 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 do they want out of life. It, it's uh, it's so complex. Yeah, it, it really is because the more the more I the more I get into the 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 state of mind and mindset and it, there's just so many more questions that I have about the complexities of the human brain. And yeah. uh, like David Goggins is a perfect example of really exploring the limits. Yeah. Um, but we're so soft right now as a society where distraction and comfort is so important to everyone over everything else. People want things, but until you're willing to change and put the effort into doing them, yeah, you're not going to go anywhere. Yeah. So but at the same time, I really think health and fitness for everybody across the board would be a good place to start in every aspect. Yeah. Because whether you're eating the wrong food uh, and, and you're in an unhealthy state, exercise is going to help. If you're at a stressful job and you're just working yourself into the dirt, exercise is going to help. Yeah. Exercise is, uh, there's so much important to it. For, for for physical health and mental health. Yeah. I mean, there's times when I go into a gym right now and I'm like, oh, I'm so tired. But once you get into it and you you just start feeling good and by the yeah. end of it, you're, you're like, oh, I'm, I'm glad I did that. I think people who maybe haven't jumped into fitness yet, I think that that's the part that a lot of them are missing is all of the mental benefits yeah. that you get from, like for me, for example, I'm, I'm not jacked. I got a lot of ways to go, but over the last year I have been training with a trainer and just the concept of caring about it and looking at what I eat and taking the workout seriously and getting into a regime has just absolutely changed my life with literally just a decision to care about it. Yeah. Because I think everybody wakes up in the morning and looks at themselves in the mirror. Maybe some people shy away and don't look at themselves and I'd imagine it's it's probably tough to have that same confidence if you don't feel great about your body because your yeah. body's a reflection of the choices that you're making 100%. every single day. Yeah. So and and you you go into a trainer, <clears throat> you know, you're I think when you have some skin in the game, yeah, you're going to be more committed to it. Definitely. And no no matter what it is, whether it's money, time, whatever it is, the more skin in the game you have the better off you're going to be in adhering to something. Yeah. Uh, and, that, and that's a huge thing. So many people want so many things for free, but when you have something for free, what do you do with it? I, I, I mean, yeah. I see people all the time get stuff for free and they do nothing with it. Yeah. You take it for granted. Yeah. Anything that you get for free. Yeah. And cause it's like working with the trainer, you don't, it's not necessarily about the money. I'm sure trainers are, some trainers are cheap. Some trainers cost a lot more. I think it's the decision that you go to a person and say, Hey, I want you to hold me accountable yeah. to this. I think that's yeah, what does it. Start the exploration, reach out to people, try and get some real information rather than trying to figure out everything on your own. Yeah. Because the more you try and figure out everything on your own, the more confused you're going to be. Definitely. And then that confusion, you feel like, oh, I, I tried working yeah. out. It didn't yep. work for me, right? Yeah. And, and the excuses come so quick and so easily. For and sure. it, you can you go right back to the couch eating a pizza, <laughs> you know. Because that's what you know. It was, you know. And it feels good. Yeah, that's right. Well, cool. 
Well, I mean, out of everything you've you've been through, you've been through tons of life experience. Mm-hmm. What would you say are some of the most valuable lessons that you've had to learn that you feel like it'd be valuable for everybody to learn at some point in their life? When you're when you're in the shit, there's a reason why you're going through it. I think when you get out of it, there's going to be a lesson that's learned that will bring you to a better place, maybe mature you better, maybe give you some better insight to why you went through it. Maybe there were some things that in your life or decisions you made that led you there that you didn't realize. But the more you go through these things, these situations, I think the better you're going to understand yourself in terms of how you respond to stress, how you respond to hardships, what kind of person you really are. Uh, for me going through what I went through, I remember being in every hard moment. And there were a lot of times when I'm like, fuck, why is this happening again? But looking back on it now, these are all, this is all part of the journey for me and being able to get out there and do what I'm doing now and talking to people and relating to people better because I, you know, I was poor growing up. I had nothing. I've, I've built everything I had literally on my own. Granted, there have been people along the way who have helped me and opened doors and, and things like that, but it's just the personal uh, commitment and fortitude to just keep grinding no matter what. Uh, eventually, some door is going to open somewhere. And that, for me, when I was going through all that stuff, there were a lot of times, and I know, I know it's, I could probably get tore apart by saying this, but there's, I relied on hope a lot. And, you know, it's it can be kind of a weak-minded thing to rely on hope. But what I mean by that is if I'm all of a sudden I'm trying to pull myself out and I meet somebody and we talk about this plan or maybe wanting to do something together, that's what I mean. All right, there's some hope. There's some purpose. Let me let me let me explore this. I met this guy. We're going to have a conversation with this person. And then in those two weeks, maybe that falls apart. But when that falls apart something in those two weeks at the end, right there at the end, when you're like, Oh, another, another door is going to open. Yeah. So the more you can just hang on and keep persevering and just keep figuring out why the things you're going through are the way they are. um, There's going to be a lot better perspective to your life and and what you're doing. And you're going to think about the decisions you're making a lot more clearly because you don't want to fall back into that yeah. That bad state. So take a little bit of ownership for it when you're stuck. Owner then, Ownership is, I mean, no, no one wants to take ownership these days. For sure. But I'll tell you, you take ownership. It, it's the live autopsy. Yeah. 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 It'll, it'll change everything as soon as you start, as soon as you start owning everything. It's, uh, I, I read, I read both of Goggins books too. And I, I loved how incredible, I mean, when he talks about, the, you know, he talks about that thing called, uh, what is it, the governor that are in cars? Oh, yeah. yeah. And he talks yeah. about how much further you really can push yeah. yourself if you try. Yeah. Um, and then ownership. Uh, I was that our conversation on ownership instantly made me think of extreme ownership that I don't know if you've read that one too. Mm-hmm. That's from, uh, from Jocko Willink. Oh, yeah. Uh, but he talks about how the moment as a leader that you take that you make a decision to own every single thing that happens in your life, it just instantly changes everything because there's a lot of people out there who are owning nothing uh, in their life and they just have that victim mindset. But then there's some people who kind of own certain pieces of their life, but then they'll pick certain things like, 
oh, well, I, I'm not really responsible for my health because maybe I have this condition or yeah. something like that. And it allows us to allows us to really leave these gaping holes in our life. Because if you say you got like, um, say you lost a leg or something and all of a sudden you decide, well, I'm not responsible for my health anymore. Well, you've just completely given up all that area of growth in your in your health. So it can make it really difficult for people, but. Yeah, the, the complexity of the human human mind is, is is pretty extreme because you can literally find a way out of everything. Yeah. Yeah. If you're willing to if you're willing to own the parts that are your fault and, and then take a, take corrective measures for yeah, sure. There's a lot to be learned. Yeah. Well, Aaron, I mean, I've loved talking with you today. And if if people want to get in touch with you, what's the best way for people to connect with you? Uh, I'm on all social media. Okay. Mostly in Active on Instagram, it's uh, Aaron V. Williamson. Aaron V. Williamson. Yeah, Instagram. and so then A-A-R-O-N, V as in Victor, yeah. Williamson, regular spelling. Mm-hmm. Okay, awesome. Yeah, and then I have a website, too, that you can reach me through, AaronWilliamson.net. AaronWilliamson.net. Not .com. Not .com. <laughs> is, yeah. that, is that a... Is it's like, a, I think it's like some photographer and it, 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 who photographs kids and I'm like... Jesus. Jesus. <laughs> All right, so not AaronWilliamson.com. Yeah. That is not this man. So Aaron V. Will- or AaronWilliamson.net. Mm. Okay, and on Instagram is Aaron V. Williamson. So yeah. Aaron, thank you so much. And if, thank you. if there's one thing, like let's say if you were on your deathbed and there's one thing that you could share with the rest of the world that you think would help help them have the right perspective, what would that one thing be? Take ownership of your life yeah, and, and really, really pay attention to the things that are important to you um, because the older you get, the faster time flies and thinking back on it now, I've, I sacrificed a lot of time with my family that I'll never get back. <clears throat> and that's uh, uh, something I'm trying to, to catch up on now and just don't ever be complacent and take time for granted. Nice. So if you're going through anything, figure it out. Be active about it in figuring out. Don't just think about it. Because uh, the the more action you take, the, the the better analysis you have of your mindset and what you're trying to do is going to help you move into the right place. Awesome. Well, Aaron, thank you so much for your time today. And can't wait to see what you do next. Appreciate, Appreciate it. it. Thanks, Thank you. man. Good.